0: A squid eating dough in a polyethylene bag. That's not the kind of thoughts I'd like to keep. Oh, the Harmony Snatch. Rancid buds burst. You look down in the sky.
1: Welcome to Track by Track Presents Trout Mask Replica. Uh, My name is Joel Bakker. I'm guest hosting for Darren Husted. As we go track by track through Captain Beefheart and his magic band's legendary 1969 double album Trout Mask Replica. Today we are discussing My Human Gets Me Blues, which is track 12, track 6 on side 2 of Trout Mask Replica. Uh, This was recorded at Whitney Studios in Glendale in March 1969. Personnel is Bill Harkelrode, aka Zoot Horn Rollo, on guitar, Jeff Cotton, aka Antenna Jimmy Siemens, on guitar, Mark Boston, aka Rocket Morton, on bass, John French, aka Drumbo, on drums, and Don Van Vliet, aka Captain Beefheart, on vocals. Length of the track is two minutes and forty six seconds, and it was produced by Frank Zappa. Uh, my guest today uh once again uh is uh eric goodis the writer for all the of the epic all about jazz article on captain beefheart uh writer for the los angeles review of books uh author of a book of poetry and significant contributor to the contemporary appreciation of captain beefheart's music eric thank you for so much for being on the show again
0: oh sure uh it's fun for me
1: well it's fun for me to have you and I I greatly appreciate you coming back so um on the previous episode, we discussed your your introduction to to Beefheart, and we we went through Hair Pie Bake One. Um, so uh, on this one, we are so we're discussing My Human Gets Me Blues today, which is um, we'll we'll get into your. Uh, I wanted to ask about your reasons for selecting this track, but just from my personal perspective, this really is one of the standout tracks of the album for me.
0: Oh, I agree. I agree. I was sorry nobody had scarfed it up when I saw your list. So I'm like yeah i'll take that one
1: yeah i think mike barnes says that um if i pulled the quote but it looks like i didn't unfortunately um but it looks as though that from what i, I remember barnes says something along the lines that this is the apex of his of uh the style uh used to to compose songs on this album this is kind of the ultimate fruition of the trout mask
0: have i have, a, I have a the book of the trout it's mask the, style it's, it's... Easily, that quote is easily findable, but I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised uh-huh. that he said that because it. I agree. <laughs> I think it. Um, and and he liked it. I mean, I was. Uh, that's that's one thing I, I sort of found out from doing a little bit of uh, of uh, Van Vliet research is that he he um, played it throughout his career, starting in the first ch- show for uh, Trotmaster Replicata. That music festival in uh, Belgium in 1969 that was kind of a I mean it sort of sounds like they're very hard conditions to play under including the on drums but that has that song on it and I see it on set lists up to 1980 um, which means that a, at a certain point you know a whole new band had to warn the arrangement um, so
1: yeah, it was a live staple throughout his career, um, and both French and Harkel Road in their books indicate that this is this was one of their personal favorite songs on the album, and it was uh, fun to play for them, which um, it indicates to me it certainly sound. I mean, there's um, passages that are uh, polyrhythmic, uh, so I'm sure it was a challenge, but I, I'm guessing that from uh, I've got uh, Harkel Road's. Uh, quote here says i'm pretty sure my human gets me blues is my all-time favorite tune off trout mask replica it just ripped and it was fun to play and it does rip i mean this song really with starting with that opening chord and then busting into the that kind of zigzag push pull guitar interplay uh it 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 really kicks off at top speed
0: yeah i mean it's just uh it's just it's just got a uh I don't know what to say. I mean, it just, um, I, it sounds like, I, I mean, w- one thing I that I think French says is that he, he is that B-Ford actually arranged it with the band, which I don't think was necessarily true with all those songs. So, mm-hmm. um, and it was also. Very, yeah, sorry. I know French. Yep.
1: I know French says that, that Don actually wrote some of the drum parts this which i gather was fairly unusual I, I don't know if that actually entailed him sitting down at the drum kit and kind of banging away until he got something or like vocalizing yeah, a drum part for beatboxing for French or play. Something. yeah beatboxing yeah yeah i don't know
0: i mean i don't think that he i mean i think that probably i mean i, I still think um I, I i pulled a quote too haha, from from harkle road and um, and he said <laughs> I, mean, I really To me, this is like a a, a big quote for this whole album, is that everything was built from a rhythmic sense. Um, my feeling was that the actual notes were interchangeable. It really wouldn't have mattered a whole lot as they created the same effect. And so, I mean, I could only imagine him sitting now at the band and, and French says he whistled for this one. He played the piano, he played the sax, he sang. I mean, obviously he was trying to get something across, but I'm not sure that he was trying to get something melodic across necessarily um Mm -hmm. i mean i think that the push the what the you know even the 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 opening segment that you talked about is you know it's it's basically got a, a the the field it's just a rhythmic you know it's just a it's like a i mean i don't have the musical terminology that our friend samuel Andreev has so i can't i can't talk about it in such a technical sense but i you know, I don't think that the music itself is complicated. I think it's just a, you know, very simple piece in the beginning. It's just the way that they're playing it is, um, um, you know, I can just hear him saying, well, okay, you, you know, this is your part, Jeff, this is your part, Bill. And then they, they, they they sort of, you know, the two guitar parts get sort of more complicated as the minute goes on. And then I think at one point they sort of switch. It's almost like a joke. Um, You know, uh, I think, I think, I think, think jeff cotton starts playing the bill Road part and bill Road starts doing a kind of like semi solo or at least more of a loose part for about 10 seconds i don't know but it's just you know it's just very um i just don't think it's a song that you remember for its melody it's the same way abba zaba you don't really remember for its melody remember for that
1: you remember it for that that drum intro um and, uh, exactly that kind of yeah. uh faux tribal I- or on the other
0: end like um you know uh, uh ashtray heart and what are the you know the, the, the two sort of quasi singles from 1980 uh, uh ashtray hard and um
1: would, would yeah Hothead Hothead. i mean just you know thing. they're
0: just like i mean one of those is just a guitar riff you know check like a two guitar riff thing that's actually very similar to the beginning of um this song that we're talking about um it's just sort of, you know, two guitars going back and forth, and then there's, there's a, you know, there's either an implied beat or somebody really is playing the drums. So I just don't think of, of, of Beefheart as somebody who's uh who was a, you know, composer in terms of melody.
1: I, I think you're absolutely right. And I, I it, the, the complexities, it, it's a very rhythmically based music. All of, all of his music from, from, um, uh, from this album on and even you know you even hear it on uh, starting with you mentioned abazaba from from safe as milk and um the stuff that he was actually writing and pushing onto the band was was much more focused on rhythm um than on uh, probably the specifics of which note to play he's probably going for kind of a feel of the notes like he he generally you know he he wanted this part to sound dissonant and this part to sound consonant or what have you but the actual specifics of the notes were less important than how they how they rubbed up against each other and and you know did or did not sync up and that's very much true i think of his vocal style too i i know that um samuel andreyev compares it to like the um the speak sing style from the you know uh um contemporary classical music that, that Van Fleet is very rarely singing on this album in, in particular in a traditionally melodic sense. It's more kind of like a vaguely tuned shout over, over a lot yeah, of the I tracks. Mean,
0: he's got, he's got a, def, a number of different registers. And I, again, I have my own little names for them. And, you know, Samuel, I have so much respect for him and I just wish that I could, you know, speak with that same level of precision. But in this song, I think I, I just note that he's using more of his kind of full throated bluesy vocals but then he has what I call his evil villain voice which comes out near the end when he, when he there's just a little sequence about the devil's red wife you'd be the devil's oh, red yeah. wife, wife. wife alright yeah. God dug your dance I mean so I, I think he kind of is using uh two of his registers from this album I think maybe there's five or six and it would be fun to kind of go through and just you know compare different vocal performances by by uh, Van Vliet, but I, to me, it's like, uh, I, I know, I know what you're talking about with this, the Sprechgesang thing. And, and I think that, um, it's, it's pretty ubiquitous in the album. Um, but I mean, part of it is, I don't, is that I, I just don't think that there's that much melodic content to, 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 to sing. So, so, mm-hmm. his, so it, what he's doing is closer to, you know, sort of closer to chanting, um, or, you know, he's got a kind of, I don't know, I mean, it's just, I just don't, you know, it's not like, um, uh, I just, yeah, as I said, I just don't think there's a whole lot of um, tunefulness in the traditional sense.
1: Um, so. Yeah, over this kind of constantly shifting, jagged backdrop, it would be really challenging to sing like a Paul McCartney melody over 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 the kind of music that's being being presented here, and um, I think
0: this is actually, from what I can tell, I did listen to it a lot last night. In fact, I was up too late doing it, so I might be a little bit I might be a little bit <laughs> rambly talking to you right now. But um, uh, I think this is actually better rehearsed in terms of his vocal than other. Of his other songs, I think other songs he's just doing his vocal over the pre-recorded track, and I forget which one it is. But he at the end of it, he says, "Oh shit, you know, I guess I, I, I you know, how am I going to get the rest of this in here?" He's obviously, you know, reading off of, uh, you know, pieces, singing off a piece of the paper. But I think this one uh-huh. it, it actually, the the vocals actually kind of sync up with the music, uh, at least at certain key points to make enough to make you think that it's been, you know rehearsed, um, and so to me, it's like, maybe that also is what makes it, you know, a little bit of a standout song, is that you can actually, like, I think the other, so a lot of other songs, you have to, you have to do this kind of, there's a sort of a, you know, almost like a um, um, a, a musical like um you have to kind of sync up music and vocals that don't really go together they go together like kind of you know not not totally it's like an optical illusion right but an aural optical illusion and it and it gives you kind of a uh, a little bit of a i think that's why it's you know can be a hard album to listen to because it's just like oh man it's, it's you know it's like it doesn't they, they don't the vocals really don't sync up with the with the um, music in the way that you're expecting. But I think in this one, they kind of sync up. And so.
1: Yeah. He's more in the groove on this one than he is on some of the other tracks. And the, his, the shifts in the, the poem, the song, the lyrics seem to kind of correspond with the shifts in the music in a way that, that they don't necessarily on the other tracks. One of my favorite moments on the entire album is on, Right, right near the outro of this song, when it breaks down to just uh, Boston's bass oh, and French's yeah, drums, cool and then the guitars come in and start wheeling around. Right as as Van Vliet is coming in with that, "You can bring your dress and your favorite dog," line that it it feels like it feels like gearing up for like it, the ascension of of tension and drama toward the end of the track. In a more traditional sense, that you don't get on a lot of other songs on this album, like, like okay, we're building up to the big, the big ending, and then of course it, it's kind of funny in the way that it, it just kind of, it drops onto that, that last drum beat with the perfect timing of him with reciting my human gets me blues right on that last drum hit, so it's kind of like building and building and building and then done.
0: You can bring your dress and your favorite dog. In your husband's cane, in your old spotted hall. Cause in this lifetime,
1: you got my human gets me blues.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's um, it does seem like that, you know, like the outro, you know, like there is, there is, he does, he does come in, you know, right um right when he needs to there's actually YouTube footage of them performing this in Belgium which I didn't know until about one in the morning mm-hmm. and um you can they they did this they 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 did a they did a replication of this um of this arrangement even though I, I I'm not sure how many people from that from the Shotmask mask band were in that particular ensemble but you can see him kind of waiting you know like waiting a few beats till that, that, that part you're talking about starts the drum the drums and bass start the drums and bass parts start and then he, he comes in with his vocal so you know
1: yeah that that Belgian footage is is pretty interesting. That was I, I gather that the actual Trout mask band played live it did not play live much and that incarnation of the band in Belgium Jeff Cotton had already bailed I don't
0: think I mean well um, I mean this is like sort of beef heart trivia here. I don't think they ever played live I think Jeff cotton was out by the time, uh, my,
1: um, you could be right. I know they played like one show in LA that I don't think there's any recording of. And I don't know if cotton was still in the band then or not. He may have already bailed. Cause I know he, he was the first to get the hell out. And then, um, French was kind of unceremoniously tossed out, uh, Literally, I think literally, I I, literally. I, th- I, I believe far like DJ Jazzy just Jeffed him out the door. I don't I think it was it was a completely like physical and unceremonious get the hell out of here move. And then they brought in this other guy who's uh, I think his name is Jeff Bruchel, who um I don't how much of a musician he was prior to this is not something I've ever been fully clear on if he didn't play the drums at all. And then Van Vliet brought him in to, to play these drum parts or if he was like kind of an aspiring drummer. Beforehand. I, read he, I read that he was a but roadie he,
0: in Zappa's band.
1: Yeah. That, I had heard that too. And was like, yeah, just doing technical stuff around and um, had said something to, to Van Vliet. He would listening to French play the drums and was like, boy, I wish I could do that. And from that point, Van Vliet kind of groomed him to, to take over for a very, very brief period of time after which he, he was, uh, he exited the band after a great deal of personality conflicts with other members. Um, probably not the least of which, because French had been so integral to the creation of this music and then was just tossed out on his ear. Um, and this other guy, given the title drumbo, like being called drumbo, wearing the the clothes, that. um, that French would wear on stage, which I think I don't believe ever happened in any other incarnation of the magic band. He, he would always give new members like their new titles, but I don't believe there was ever another case where someone else was given some other previous musician like, okay, you're you know, Zuthorne Rolo now. It didn't work like that. It was, they always got new ones. This is the only case I know of where he was just like, okay, this is the new drumbo. Yeah, and that feels like a very pointed insult to, to oh, French. Oh, I
0: think so. I think, you know, I mean it's just amazing to me that French hung in there through so many albums and you know tours. Um, I, I just you know he, he, he there, there must have been some kind of you know deep musical slash personal affinity between the two. But I I um, you know I just think French got a raw deal a lot of the times. I mean he he created so much so many. uh you know, just, just the drum parts alone are, are really brilliant, but the arrangements and, you know, I think um, I mean, you could talk forever about, you know, the psychology of any band. I mean, it's not, it's uh, people, creative people have a hard time being in the <laughs> same proximity with each other, collaborating.
1: But what, what impressed me about the Belgium footage is that if the Bruchelle guy had not played the drums before or you know hadn't played the drums much before i was impressed because th- what i'd always heard was yeah he didn't know what he was doing and nobody liked him and he he left shortly thereafter i was impressed by how well he kept up like he manages to hold the drum part a fairly complicated drum part down pretty well i mean he's no french but he he keeps up way better than i could um as someone who's a non drummer. Yeah. and um i know that harkle road managed to combine the two guitar parts into one part that he was able to play in in future uh, incarnations of of the band which I think I've I've talked a lot with other guests about you know the other musicians on this album we've all we've we've discussed I don't feel like I've given sufficient due to Harkle Rhodes guitar playing uh I've talked about Jeff Cotton um with when Steve Froy was on the show and you know, French and Boston have come up quite a bit. I don't I don't feel like I've I've uh said enough about just how brilliant Harkle Rhodes guitar playing is here and how integral he his his playing became to the Magic Band over time. I mean he was the only guitarist on Lick My Decals Off Baby and then continued to play consistently with, with Van Vliet and in different incarnations of the Magic Band up until um I think that Unconditionally Guaranteed is the last album he plays on. Uh, but his his sound it became you know when you when you think of the magic band guitar sound that sound that he and and jeff cotton developed on this album is is it
0: yeah i mean that's why you know i think you know for like for instance my human gets me blues other bands just had to learn this arrangement had to learn the guitar parts because they were kind of the definitive way of playing this song it wasn't like um you know, a jazz song where you, or, you know, a jazz standard where you can kind of like redo it, at least not for Van Vliet. I mean, this was the, this must have been the arrangement. So, um, yeah, and that, you know, I'm sure a lot of that goes to Harkle Road. That there, are, I wish sometimes that I could just, uh, I all I'd have to do is sit on and do it because I, uh, what does it say? I asked French, like, which channel they're both in, and, and he told me. So I could sit down and listen to, for the for anybody could sit on and listen for the playing of each one at, at any time. I just haven't done that. Um
1: uh, Yeah, I believe um for, I, in your article, French indicated that it's um, Harker Road in the left channel and Cotton yeah. in the right. So anybody who's, who's listening along, who's listening to this podcast, if you want to, if you want to uh, narrow down who's playing what, just the, the guitars are always hard panned. Mm-hmm. So just, just take off one side of your headphones right. and you can, hear uh, however,
0: it. if you listen, I, <laughs> Because I, yeah, you're right, and I'm I'm looking at that quote right now. Uh, um, on fins it's swapped. Whoever recorded that, like it's it's the opposite. So if you're listening to the to the to the tracks on fins, it's it's the opposite. Uh, oh, interesting. Okay, I mean, it's just I guess the, the quirks of recording.
1: That's funny that it was that formalized um, in the the actual studio record and this only really applies to the stuff recorded at in in Glendale by by Zappa cuz the as we've discussed before the stuff that was recorded at the house um Dick kunk is like mixing it on the fly so who knows who's showing up where on that stuff but um it, it's the the degree of formality that that it's like well, this guitarist is always over here and this guitarist is always over here is I don't know that that seems like a maybe a culmination of of Van Fleet's controlling personality like no I I have to say where the guitars even sit in the mix presuming it was his decision it may have been Zappa's
0: I couldn't tell you I don't I don't I don't know I I I um don't I don't know enough about the recording of the album to say um Except that if you've got two guitarists and you're, you know, you know you're going to have a stereo mix, then you're probably going to have one in one channel and one in the other. And Zappa's a pretty, um, uh, he's a more rational, probably a more rational person than a band elite. So I don't know. I mean, I just think it's, it's if, if, I mean, if, it, it, it's really handy to think that, you know, you can always just listen into one channel. Um, I just have never to get one guitarist. I just have never done it. But if so, but but that's true. Then there's that little kind of solo moment, um, you know, when the fir, kind of the first time he, the Van Leet sings in this in this lifetime, you got my like, human gets me blues, and so that must be cotton. Uh, it's because it's in, it's in the right channel.
1: Oh yeah, the the um, uh slide, the um kind of high pitched slide that that uh, zips in in that at that point. So lyrically, this track is is a pretty interesting one as well. I mean, they are all all of the lyrics on this album are are fascinating, but this is the first appearance of, um, to the best of my recollection, of um, actual deities in the in the lyrics in Van Vliet's lyrics on this album. We've got Jesus, Jesus and God, which I I suppose are one, depending on what. Um, where you're coming from religiously, who both appear in this song. Um, under we've got Jesus, who is best dressed, you just keep coming, Jesus, you're the best dressed. Um, and this is an, a case of me mishearing lyrics for many years. I'd always heard it as you look down in the sky, but you don't scare me. I guess it's you look dandy. In yeah, the I, sky. I, I
0: saw that on the lyrics sheet last night, and and um, I mean, I listened to this album for many, many years. Without, a, I mean, in, until just about a year ago, without a lyric sheet, or maybe two years ago, I can't remember. But yeah, I I, I always heard "Down in the Sky" or something. I, I didn't hear
1: "Dandy." I'm still not sure he's singing "Dandy." It doesn't sound like Dandy, but you know, I his uh, expressive way with words um, certainly certainly twists i i'm constantly surprised looking over the lyrics of this how many things i've heard for years in a certain way and then gone back and gone oh well no he's actually saying something completely different um but yeah then we have as as you mentioned the we have our our protagonist who has uh uh done some kind of um done some kind of dance that impressed god sufficiently that he would have you young and in his harem dress you the way he wants cuz he never had a doll cuz everyone buddy made him a boy and god didn't think to ask his preference which is um is very it is a very witty uh very witty twist on this on the tale on on uh genesis
0: yeah i mean it's but a it's the, a the, it's a I don't really think you can make sense in in these lyrics in any kind of narrative sense. But that particular little section here, I mean, it implies to me like uh, because everybody made him a boy and God didn't. Who's his in that? And God didn't think to ask his preference.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I've always
0: heard that. That like you know the reason we call God the reason we call God a man is because that's that's what that's what people have done. But God himself is like, mm. well, maybe I, maybe I have I want to play with dolls. Maybe I'm a girl um, mm. or, you know, more or less, you know, sort of man, well, maybe I'm a less manly God than, than people make me out to be. It's just that it's like, that's, that's what they've called me. I'm speaking as God now, which is just sort of a really cool idea. And, um, you know, in, implies a lot about, you know, sort of how much, you know, what we, what we take for granted, uh, as a given is actually, you know, something that people have just kind of made up arbitrarily. And I think just kind of gives you a hint into the philosophy of Van Vliet. And maybe even the philosophy, his philosophy as a songwriter is trying to, you know, is is, you know, make, create things that don't sound like givens that don't, that don't have the, you know, it's like you can always rely on the idea of God as a man. Well, if you take that away, what do you have? How do you think of God? And you can say the same thing about a song. Like if you take away, you know, certain key elements, or you overemphasize other other elements instead of what do you have? Um, so you know, that's a neat part. I, I was just kind of just kind of uh, circling words last night that had sort of an Americana slash bluesy feel, like gingham Jesus sunset windows patent shoes devils dog hog and um you know i think there's, there's a certain extent to which this at the back of these lyrics is just kind of a you know sort of a traditional blues vocabulary like uh and then i started looking up skip james lyrics i think i think that's probably the one person that everybody listened to of this you know of the kind of 60s white blues revival people and he talks about a lifetime mm-hmm. sentence, or treated just like a dog, or you can take a stone and bruise my bone, or she's rubbing her little stocking feet. Um <laughs> or you know, just even old lonesome song. And instead of old navy fork, it's the same syllables. It's just yeah. I think so. I kind of think at the back of a song like this is just is just you know a Van Bleet's immersion in the blues tradition. But again, he's not going to do a traditional, you know, it's like, uh, um, you know, if you think of sort of Skip James or somebody, you know, that that whole tradition kind of at the back of this, I mean, like, um, what is it? You know, the Grateful Dead do I I Know You, Ryder, and they just quote Skip James, Mm -hmm. uh, I lay down last night, I could not take my rest, something, something, something wild geese in the West, and, and. Um, I think Michael Hurley has you know wild geese in one of his songs. So I mean, it's sort of it, you know the, there's a tradition of kind of quoting those those musicians. But I think I think Van Fleet has a kind of you like, know between the sort of Americana imagery, like he likes gingham. Somebody else wears gingham and orange an orange claw hammer. He likes the fork, I think, because it's maybe a good frontier implement. <laughs> um,
1: Patent yep. black gingham Excuse pop- me? gingham pops up again in old fart at play too it's it's referenced on three different songs yeah, on this, so he's, this so album.
0: he's got sort of a you know there's sort of a you know kind of kind of a beef heart vocabulary derived from you know i don't think he's going out to fabric stores i mean i think it's a you know, or you know, <laughs> I, I would. I don't imagine that there's an actual piece of gingham in, in the house. I think he's just kind of like this between the blues vocabulary and sort of imagery of like you know old black patent shoes uh, and then you know devil and Jesus, which comes you know devil got my woman, Skip James, or just gospel yep. music. It's sort of a you know bluesy Americana bass, and then he's just kind of doing doing his thing, I and mean, if you want to call it surrealism, that's fine. I mean, it's definitely. um like, yeah, I mean, surrealism usually juxtaposes really unusual or things that just makes unusual juxtapositions. So X-ray, gingham, sort of like, you know, X-ray, gingham, navy, fork. I mean, you know, just kind of like uh, uh, these, you know, modifying words with adjectives that really don't seem to go with them. Um, fork in the sunset. Yeah, you know, sort of like fork. It's just, you know, it's, it's, you know, sure you can, I mean, I think people call it surrealism. Um, but I, I don't think you can make the words make sort of make, I don't think you can create uh, a kind of overarching interpretation of, of a song, the, the lyrics to a song like this.
1: Yeah. It's not, it's not a literal narrative in any kind of, of beginning and end way. Um, which most of the songs on here aren't their little character sketches or their are um, songs like this, which are this kind of phantasmagoria of different images. Uh, I think Orange Claw Hammer is fairly unique in, in presenting something like a narrative you can actually follow. Um but uh the the thing about images like the, the old navy fork and the, the X ray gingham dresses, they they don't make any kind of literal concrete sense like those aren't things that doesn't make any sense when you put those words together that way but the vividness of the image is stands out in and is striking and memorable and and evocative even being you know something that is not um something that's not an actual thing that is not a a concrete point of reference and the the americana stuff is is that's something that um i keep coming back to on this album is that it is a very american record and that his point of points of reference are was it grill marcus who who coined the term old weird america the the old um uh you know the kind of uh, copyright yeah uh
0: i mean i think yeah his 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 idea was that the you know the songs in the Harry Smith anthology were a kind of a kind of tabula rasa for, you know certainly Dylan at a certain point and probably a lot of other people. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a term. I think he even changed the name of the book from something to the Old Weird America. Um, but you know Dylan, you can kind of make sense out of. I mean, I you know I feel like this is sort of one step one step further. Um, and honestly, I have in my written down here. Like I said, I've done Beefheart sandbox. Like I think at a certain point, he's just kind of playing around with words, like X-ray gingham dress under your dress under duress. It's almost like a yeah. You know, it's like the like the R.O. equivalent of like a music solo. Like he's just kind of taking these syllables and kind of you know sort of repeating them in, in different ways and um um it's it's you know it's like i think that's, that's the way to make sense of it is that he's just playing around i mean and it's not wordplay in in the in the sort of more the sense that a you know you might use it a, in a, a literary sense but it's really he like it's almost literally playing like he's just kind of like you know mm-hmm. sort of scooping up scooping up syntax and you know, putting other syntax on top of it. And um, I just think a lot of the other, you know, sort of literary songwriters of this period are more self-consciously literary. And even Dylan in the basement tapes, I mean, those are very, I, mean, I love those songs. I'm not I'm not saying anything bad about them at all. But um, I mean, sort of like, I don't know, you might, it's like something like million, you, you put, well, I don't want to even compare, it's just not even fair. Um, but, um, mm-hmm. it's, I just think that he, you know, there's a reason why like a whole ton of people re- went on and recorded a lot of those songs and not a whole ton of people have gone on and recorded these songs.
1: These, these songs are a lot harder to learn how to play yeah. too. But yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree that. And I mean, he, he would say explicitly that he played music and played with words and would, would raz Zappa for, for, you know, working. For constantly working music, which is of course absolutely discounting the enormous amount of work that his band put in to learning how to play this stuff that that he wanted to do, but his his primary goal was just constantly playing and creating, and then not really necessarily putting in any of the kind of uh, work required to to make it a a repeatable, structurable thing. That was he he passed that on to. To his his phenomenal band, who did an a, an astonishing job of of doing that, of making this something that that could be could be repeated.
0: Well, yeah, by them at least. I mean, the the rest of the parts there are more like you know twenty seconds long. Um, I mean, there are just these very kind of like, and, and some of them are real. Some of them are real shifts, like the big shift that that John French talks about at one oh eight, where the time signature actually changes. Is it time? Well, I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but but uh, um, yeah, so, uh, and then the the rhythm in which the guitarists are playing changes,
1: and uh, yeah, he says that Jeff and Bill are both in seven, while Mark is is playing in three quarter time.
0: Right. So it'd be just like whoa! All of a sudden. Almost like up until about, oh, I think about a minute, maybe, or, or the or the first time he sings in this lifetime, you got my human gets me blues. That's kind of like potentially an, a normal song, um, in this mm-hmm. st- or a standard song, I should say, a more a more conventional song, in that you have this thing that's well, it's not really, it's it's more of a kind of a sort of a you know, a, a, it's melodic rhythm than than a melody per se, but it's sort of seesaw thing going back and forth. And then it sort of builds up to, um, to, to, to beef hearts refrain. And you could kind of, that that you could, you could sort of repeat that maybe three times, maybe two times. And, you know, throw something like a solo in there. And it would be kind of like a conventional song, you know, even like Mm -hmm. something like a bridge, you could even just like use that second part, the one that French talks about it. At about one minute and eight seconds, and you know, like at once, and then that, and then go back, go back to the the sort of seesaw rhythm and and pattern. But it seems like the song is sort of like once it establishes that seesaw thing and then breaks it, it sort of spends the whole time trying to get back to it, and then (laughs) and then it finally comes back at around in my notes at about two twenty eight, which is you know basically in the last twenty minutes of the song. So the thing you've been trying to get back to the whole time has you know he, he just kind sort of keeps interrupting it with um, um you know just sort of differently. I mean, at one point the left guitar is playing, so I guess that's that's Harkle Road. Um, uh, there's there's a sort of a sort of more bluesy part, but I think it's sort of a kind of a extension of the seesaw pattern, but it just sort of, you know, doesn't sound identical. I mean, there's just, a, uh, then there's a part that even, you know, even French uses impressionistic language to a quote unquote steaming blue green clearing. But I mean, it, it, it uh, and then the drums and bass parts come in and then and very, at the very end you sort of have a return to the opening minute, but, um, you know, it's like, that is a very, that's a pretty complex, um, pattern to learn. And,
1: um, yeah, that's pretty far distant from verse, chorus, yeah, verse. It's, it's, that's it's, like verse, verse, chorus, extended scrambling to get back right. to chorus. And,
0: and, the, and the length of uh, the length of text between um, between the 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 refrain line changes radically. It's, I mean, just going by the lyric sheet, the first he says it after the first seven lines, then he says it after the, the next five lines. And then it doesn't come back in until the next 14 lines. I mean, I'm just talking about lines of verse here. So it's really it's Mm -hmm. so he's really not it's there's no regularity to the um, to the refrain. Um,
1: Yeah, he was never one to structure his verse in any really strongly recognizable way. Like some of the other albums, he's he's sticking a little closer to traditional verse chorus verse structures, but on stuff like on albums like this or, or like my decals off or, or bat chain puller. He's the, the verses is perhaps the quintessence of free verse. There really isn't anything approaching a structure to it. No, I wouldn't say that. You're, you're actually, you are actually a poet, so you can tell me if I'm misusing the term free verse.
0: Oh, people mean a lot of different things by free verse, but if you're just talking about, um, I mean, basically, it means un. I mean, people use it generally to be uh, to say unrhymed, um, which I think, mm-hmm. which is pretty much well. Just I mean, no, I, I hadn't really thought about this. There's some poetry per se, but if, if I really saw it on the page, I would say yeah, it's probably a free verse in the sense that it doesn't really have a regular pattern. Um, um I just think it's sort of hard to. I mean I think that this the main mean the main thing is that you don't to me the, the term free verse or not is is sort of a red herring it's more that you 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 have these different these different lengths of text and therefore music between the between the refrain lyric so like mm-hmm. there's a really long section between uh I mean I, I, I let's see um I'm again I kind of timed it out in the sort of the middle of the night last night one no actually mate I think this was before I, anyway some other time so you you have it at around you know a minute and 20, 20 seconds and then you don't have it again until uh about 2 minutes and 44 seconds so that's almost the whole length of the song um that that you don't even have the the refrain words so it's just um it's not regular in that sense, uh, but there's something that's very tight about the arrangement, I think, that that makes it a standout song.
1: Yeah, and some of that is that the degree to which his voice, his vocals sync with the music and the different, the different shifts in perspective and, and uh, points of interest in his, his lyrics also seem to shift with the musical the musical accompaniment changing around which is again somewhat unusual for this album normally the uh, on many tracks the vocals just seem to kind of float over the music and there's not necessarily a connection between what he's singing about where he's where he happens to be in the lyrics and what's what's going on musically i, I feel kind of bad that i i feel like i've in asking you to participate in this podcast i've caused you to lose some sleep staying up late listening listening to this music but i have to say i really appreciate the the amount of effort that you put into this it's um it's incredibly uh uh thoughtful and your your expertise on on this has um made my own stammerings um much stand stand out in in um I don't even know what I'm trying to say here. I'm just gonna I'm gonna give up on that line of thought. But just say thank thank you for all the effort oh, you've put into I'm,
0: this. Well, see, because this is not. I mean, I'm I, yeah, music is not my my immediate field, and so I have to I feel like I have, if I'm going to say anything, I have to. I don't want I don't want to just like kind of talking it in generalities. I mean, I wanted to figure out like, well, how many sections right. are there, um, stuff like that, and um, it's just a. I mean, it's just a very to me a very compelling arrangement, especially the fact that it it kind of, you know, we got one, one guitar that comes in at a certain point. Um, You have the, the the drums and bass part at another point. Um, I mean, I wish I had more precise language for what French calls a steaming blue green clearing, but that has more sort of like drum rolls on it. Uh, Mm -hmm. um, And you know it just it just is uh i just think he 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 put a lot into the arrangement
1: it it does move with the kind of lateral movement of thought rather than the traditional structured movement of a song or a composition the way one part will kind of bleed into the next part and then the band will shift around it and thing everything changes and you get these parts where everyone's playing in different time signatures that then lead into everyone's snapping together on the same time signature and it, it rolls with the same kind of free associative quality of, you know, when you're just sitting around with nothing to think about, your brain goes off in all sorts of strange directions um, rather than any kind of structured uh, means of communication.
0: In in a traditional rock song, when, when you, when you leave, you, you, you set something up and then you might leave it for a little while for a bridge or, Maybe a solar song, but you come right back to it. And to me, the fact that you have, you, you, you he sets something out that's a, that's a minute long, and then it takes the whole song to get back to, to get back to like 20 seconds of what you hear in the first minute. It's sort of like it's a, the effort of return is very strong. <laughs> the effort of getting back to what you started out with, it's not just like, oh, I'm just going to go right back to it. It's like, a little, it's like right. you have to go on a little journey to get back to that opening seesaw pattern um in the song
1: yeah the um the moments where you can have your feet on the ground and feel like you're in relatively familiar terrain don't last very long like you'll get 20 to 40 seconds of something that feels like a groove or a riff that is familiar and and just as you start to kind of get into it it generally shifts into something else there's a couple of exceptions on the album like uh, moonlight on vermont is a little more conventionally structured but but generally speaking you're you're on on shifting ground pretty consistently Um, um so i've taken up a lot of your time on this uh saturday afternoon um i am going to uh so for the rating of the track as with every other track on this album i give it a five out of five um Mr. Goodest do you have uh if you'd like to rate the track you can you you don't have to and do you have anything uh in addition that you'd like to add about my human gets me blues
0: well I actually did write down that I I gave I think it because last time I I I I said the hair pie bake one was was really kind of a one song because it wasn't really a song like a Mm -hmm. you know it was more like a construction or a a um uh an example of of you know one you know one kind of like way of thinking of the album is collaborative between like you know all these people the the musicians the engineer, uh, the producer like that you know that's it's kind of the apex of of that that version of sort of you know Bush recording style. Mm-hmm. I honestly would give I mean give it a five out of five sure because it's a really tight track. Um, and it's, 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 it's honestly like, uh, I, I hate when people say honestly, it's just, it's, 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 it's very, uh, um, concisely arranged and originally arranged every, every, everything about it is great. Whereas the other song, I love it, but it's not, it's just, it's more like a, it's more like a kind of a sort of a dream sequence on the album <laughs> than, than, than the album itself. So, I mean, this is I,
1: well, that's a really yeah, good way I mean, of putting it. I
0: mean, if you it. had to, re- if you know, if you you know, everybody, you know, it's a sort of a parlor game to get double albums down to single albums, but this is definitely going on the single album version and it maybe even should have been the single. Uh who knows? Uh I don't think anything would have charted from this album, but um As far as having anything to say, let me just look at my notes here. Um,
1: All right. Um, So for uh, those who would like to follow Track by Track on Twitter, we are at underscore Track by Track. If you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, it is at Joel A. Bacher on both bacher spelled b-a-k-k-e-r uh mr Goodis. do you have any socials that you'd like to promote or anything else that you'd well, like to i have
0: i have a kind of goof, kind of a very um my, my my instagram account is pleasing to me but it, it's very it's not any one thing but you can look it up at um and you have to you have, have to spell this out it's a screen and then shots with a z and then c-h-e-z And then P-A-N-D-Y, that's S-C-R-E-E-N-S-S-H-O-T-Z-C-H-E-Z-P-A-N-D-Y, but honestly, I don't even know if it's worth, like, you writing that down and, like, looking it up, because you have to be into, like, like, I'm looking at it right now, and one is Klaus Kinski, and the next is my dog, you know, it's so, you just gotta be into eclecticism, um,
1: I think that anyone who's listening to a podcast about Trout Mask Replica is probably going to be into eclecticism. Yeah. And so I I absolutely recommend uh, following Mr. Goodis on Instagram. You've, you post a lot of great stuff. We were just having a, a discussion about the great albums of 1979.
0: Oh, yeah, I did. Um, I, did. I, I, I reviewed about 50 albums of 1979 on there. Uh, now I'm kind of doing like film and Shakespeare. Um, I And then I, I did Women on the Phone earlier. I'm going to come back to Women on the Phone. It's such a great you know trope of film you know you have a you have a, if you want to indicate like you know panic get a put a woman on the phone um and so that was and i got other people to use that hashtag too so the cinephiles kind of took over women on the phone as a hashtag
1: but well i had never thought of that before but yeah that is an that is an omnipresent image the panicked woman screaming into the phone yeah well good yeah that's that's,
0: scroll down i don't know i I mean i got into it but then i got some other people into it too i don't know it's if you scroll through you'll see you'll see where the women women on the phone starts um and people were sending me women on the phone it it, it was fun i want to get back into it um but then then the sort of you know the country went into a state of uprising and i just felt like you know i don't want to you know i want to put this down for a while so
1: um, i I can understand that I've certainly in terms of the country being in a state of of uprising this doing this podcast is is one of the few things that's that's kept me from simply uh regressing into the fetal position on a daily basis that I can completely divorce myself from what's going on for a while and just sink into this record that is has no no uh real points of reference to to the real world that's its own strange organism yeah.
0: Wow. It's a very enjoyable part.:
1: which is possibly not the healthiest thing, but uh, I'm I'm doing my yeah. best. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. In your cane in your old Cause in this lifetime, you got my human gets me blue.